All right. Once again, man, um, I guess you're going to interview me, which is, you know, a, a slow form of torture for me. But here we go. I am so excited. I think it's great. <laughs> we kind of turn the uh, camera, the focus on you, which um, I know you're not really, you know, a limelight seeker type of person. But uh, but I really do think that it's really great when we get the opportunity to pick your brain because you do have a wealth of knowledge. And uh, beyond that, I think that the way your mind works, having known you for a long time now, I think you're very good at kind of sifting through some of the complexities around an issue, taking a really uh, pragmatic approach to things and not letting details and perfection get in the way of progress. I think if I had to sum up your mindset, you you are best in class at that sort of thing. So details, details, you know, so this is, <laughs> so this is, you know, to, to lay the groundwork for this, because I don't know what I'm going to have the title be yet, but um, mm. this is just basically today. Actually, today is nine weeks on the dot post full total hip replacement. And I've been doing, you know, overwhelmingly rehab for about six to eight weeks of that. And I've only been mm. dipping my toe back in the water to quote unquote modifying and scaling what I would consider more normal workouts for maybe about 10 days. And so it was kind of this is my lessons learned and my journey through rehab, I guess, is going to be the focus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting, just the passage of time generally. <clears throat> um, but it almost seems like it hasn't been that long. I mean, it really does seem like this. It's nine weeks, you said? Nine weeks, yeah. Yeah, it feels like this nine weeks has gone by very quickly. And I'm sure your experience might be a little different having to actually be the person recovering. But uh, it does go to show that you know, no matter what you're dealing with in your life, I think day to day, it can be easy to get in a headspace where you're thinking, ah, oh, this is the situation I'm stuck in. This is how it's going to be forever. You know, I, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but mm -hmm. this is a great example of how, you know what, if you just think about the little wins daily, time is going to pass pretty quickly and it's going to pass whether you put in a little work or you don't. Right. So you might as well take that first step and then take the next step after that. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. I think that's that's a really uh, powerful message no matter what people are going through out there. And there's probably a fair amount of athletes out there, whatever, any age range, beginner, intermediate, advanced, that maybe you've got a little nagging fill in the blank. Or maybe there's something that you think you should lay off or you should, maybe even need surgery, whatever it is, and you've been delaying it, delaying it, because you don't want to, quote unquote, be down for two months or down. Mm -hmm. So you just keep delaying it. And I think we've all been guilty of that. You know, you have this dread of what downtime is going to be like. But hopefully this lets everybody know it doesn't need to be that that bad, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, let's dig into it. You sent me over the program that you've been following uh, since you have been back on the path here. And, and, and I should say that my hope is, and I guess the audience can call me out if I don't live up to my promise, is to have mm -hmm. this in a document in the show notes under the YouTube video. So because it's going to be too yeah. much to like, you'll get lost talking about it. And maybe if we're really fancy, I'll see if I can't get it thrown up on the screen here during the podcast every now and then and block us okay. out. But it should be in the show notes. That way you can just yeah. check it out, download it and read it, you know, and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah, well, so you sent me this program. And obviously, it was designed by you based on the things that you thought were going to be useful as part of your recovery. And uh, it was very simple. You know, the thing that struck me about right. it was, hey, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. This doesn't need to be complicated. But what also struck me about it was the commitment to consistency. 
And so mm. just to spell it out for the listeners a little bit more, the first couple of weeks, the program itself was not intense, wasn't designed to be, not high volume, wasn't designed to be, wasn't complex, wasn't designed no. to be. Um, but it was frequent. That's the thing that I think would define it the most. So there was a morning, midday, and evening requirement to the program. And they're pretty basic. I think it started out with 20 squats with a big upper body assist, right? So walk us through what that looked like. So this was it. And I should say that this program isn't authorized by any medical clinic or doctor, okay? <laughs> yeah. This was, this was a combination of my time in fitness and CrossFit and strength and conditioning and lessons learned, conversations that I've had off the record with mm -hmm. friends who are in the medical business in this space who shall remain nameless and help guide me to make sure nothing seemed too stupid, knowing my own body, but then largely a lot of this was not crafted before the surgery. It's important to say mm -hmm. this, this developed each week as I realized what I could or could not do and, and then mm -hmm. try to keep it within that parameter. So each week wasn't a, a fresh template as to how far I could go or shouldn't go. And it had to be low intensity. Uh, my goal was low intensity, yep. functional movements. And since I knew that it was going to be, and I had to do three sessions a day, like mm -hmm. just after the surgery, you get this little list of rehab exercises that you're supposed to do morning, midday, and evening three times a day. And, mm -hmm. and after I looked at them, it's just the same sheet of paper that everyone in the world gets, whether you're 25 or 65, whether you're in shape or 200 pounds overweight, athlete mm -hmm. or non-athlete, this is your sheet of paper. And immediately I was like, that seems weird to me, you know, right off the bat, <laughs> okay? Because like, just give an example, part of the rehab exercises that you had to do every day was you're supposed to like hold on to the countertop in a kitchen or something like that and do, I don't even know if I could say it was a quarter squat. It was almost like a push press dip drive sort of a thing, slow. And like, you know, a set of 10 or 20 or something like that, you know, three times a day. But you were totally authorized to get in and out of a chair. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why am I doing these silly quarter squats if you're allowing me to get in and out of a chair with an arm assist, with an upper body arm assist on the arms of the chair using my own arms as frequently as I have to during the day? That mm -hmm. sounds weird. Like if I just did, instead of these 20 quarter squats, 20 sit to stands with as much arm so that it wasn't, um, I wasn't being negligent with my lower body, why wouldn't I just do that? Because I'm covering that range of, so I, I used those yeah. sort of logical thought processes and I, kept doing the rehab stuff for at least like the first week or two. But then I yep. added in those other things because I just couldn't find an obvious reason not to. So this was really more of an um, augment to your rehab program. So it was like uh, your rehab pl program plus is kind of how it structured initially. Yep. Rehab program was yeah. these little exercises like, you know, lifting your, you know, abduction, a deduction of your leg, mm -hmm. um, you know, flexing your quad for 10 seconds, releasing your mm -hmm. quad, flexing your glutes, releasing your glutes. Like that was, that was it. There was no like, I don't want to say functional movements, but that was about it. Sure. It was, it seemed like maybe it was developed around the Vietnam era and it's never been updated. <laughs> well, <laughs> so getting back to the program itself and what stuck out to me, like I said, frequency was one that really stuck out to me. Um, and then range of motion. It seemed to me like that was the two things that were really prioritized. So, hey, I'm going to do this at 
regular intervals throughout the day, every day, and I'm going to try to express range of motion. Now, that doesn't mean, for those of you listening, that you're trying to push that range of motion right mm-hmm. out the gate or that you're trying to find the limits of it. That's not what I'm suggesting or, or what I think Pat's intent was. Um, but trying to, like you said, express the range of motion that you're cleared to do. So, okay, you're cleared to sit. Well, why not take it to that point? Um, right. And then I also think that uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, the number 20 is, is what you landed on for week one. Uh, so 20 assisted squats in the morning, 20 midday, 20 at night. Mm-hmm. And I think what's important there, like you mentioned, you have to consider what your level of fitness was prior and, you know, whether or not that would apply to somebody else. You know, obviously 20 squats for Pat Sherwood pre-operation would be not even approaching a warm-up. That's not a big yeah. deal. Five, five on my back. <laughs> That's right. Um, my point is that with this set of 20 that you're doing, I don't think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the intent was to try to reach any sort of muscular fatigue at that Mm-mm, point. You weren't, no. even, you weren't even touching a difficult set, right? No, no. I mean, and the wound was, you know, this week one, I mean, the wound is still yeah. fresh. The stitches are in there. You don't, you can't sweat because you don't want to get sweat in the wound. You don't want to tear the wound back open. It's basically mm-hmm. just a range of motion for like therapeutic and rehab reasons, just a range of motion. So those 20 squats, morning, midday, and evening, it wasn't even a full set of 20, it was two sets of 10, you know, there so you it was, it was yeah. even less than that. My, the routine was the same every day. It was 10 air squats to a chair in my living room using my arms, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot, quite for, let's be honest, a lot. Uh, it was two rounds of 10 squats like that and 40 knee pushups. Did that? Yep. Two rounds in the morning, two rounds around lunch, and two rounds in the evening, in addition to my little rehab exercises. And that was, you know, every single solitary day, maybe except for the first or second day where I was, you know, just still kind of feeling things out and just doing the rehab exercises. Yeah. What was the thought process behind the knee push-ups? Why, why did you include that? Well, just, you know, fully planked out in a regular push-up with the that hip had just been replaced you know there's a Mm -hmm. lot of pressure there and they don't want you for the first at least six weeks doing any bridging in any way Mm -hmm. shape or form and so even though a bridge would have been with me facing the other direction i I couldn't get any clear guidance as to whether or not fully planking out in a push-up would have been okay or stupid so i decided to go to the cautious route just go the just do the knee push-ups and then uh, a few weeks later, I think I did knee push-ups for about three weeks until I finally reconnected with a friend who's an ortho. And I said, hey, this is what I've been doing. I'm at, I'm at this week, Mark. Do you see any issue doing a regular push-up? And he's like, no, you should be cool with a regular push-up. Just don't bridge and don't get your leg mm-hmm. like really far behind you in a lunge, you know, for, for risk of dislocation. But a mm. static position in a push-up should be okay. And so I think you'll see around like week four, switch to regular push-ups. And that was based on that conversation with the ortho. Great. So that leads me kind of to my next question then, which is, okay, you had a couple weeks, weeks kind of one through three, very controlled. So boring. Not a lot of variety. You're basically eating the same thing every day, (laughs) three meals a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So within that three week period into the fourth week where you started to expand slowly into other, you know, explorations, let's say, uh, did you find that the progress was 
pretty linear? Did you feel like, ah, man, I, I want to be doing more, but I know that I should be holding back? Or did it feel like, no, this is appropriate and I should hang out here for a little bit longer? It always felt, and I made sure this, it was just disciplined about it. I always made sure it felt 100% appropriate. And I, mm-hmm. I never felt like I was even getting into a gray area ever, you know, because I just, it just wasn't worth it. I mean, you know, it's, it's such a significant surgery and I didn't want to mess it up. It's like nothing about that's worth it. And if, you know, I knew mm-hmm. that my fitness was going to slip, all I was looking to do was I actually just thought with my, you know, non-medical degree, but having, you know, communicated with a lot of physicians over the years that finding ways to intelligently move my body low intensity and functional moves, like staying moving versus just laying in a bed and feeling bad for myself was only going to help the healing process and help the Mm. bone growth and like everything help the inflammation. Like it was only going to be ideally putting me on a faster track. So that was more of my point rather than, and I also quite frankly needed it for my between the years. Sure. Oh man, just I don't know, you know, laying in bed and stealing the Xbox controller from my son would have just put me, you know, into a into a manic depression. So <laughs> we, I, I, <laughs> we'd be talking to a different Pat Sherwood oh, right now. Dude, I needed case, I so. needed to do that at all. And I was, you know, I think you talked about uh, the progress. I was actually yeah. pretty shocked by how the progress went because, while let's say I might get the timeline off a little bit, but not much. If week one, mm-hmm. those air squats in the chair, chair squats, if you will, that arm assist. They were challenging. Like, actually, I, maybe this is a dumb thing to say since I had the head of my femur cut off, but like, I, it was demoralizing how challenging they were on week one. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Like, getting in and out of this chair, I need this much arm assist? Like, um, the thought of a barbell on my back seems like science mm-hmm. fiction, you know, and that's a total bummer. But then, even one week later, um, by the end of the second week, I could have like my hands pushed out in front of me and be doing these slow sit to stands in the chair and like just have my glutes just touch the chair, mm. go right back up. And that was cool. I was like, oh, wow, it's only been about 10 days and this actually feels fine. Like, I don't feel like I'm pushing it. And so it did progress, you know, at the, in this nice linear fashion mm. that was, that was a little bit better than I thought. Cause if you look at week three, in week three, I had progressed to doing uh, light goblet squats. You know, I had like mm-hmm. a 25 pound dumbbell or kettlebell that I would hold on my chest. And I bumped up the reps from 10 to 15 for the two sets three times a day. So like it, um, well, on, excuse me, I bumped them up. I used weight in the morning, the 25 pound weight midday. And then to be smart in the evening, I didn't use any weight. I went back to just air squats and just kind of felt it out to make sure like hey was today okay am i feeling like i overdid it today like kind of do an assessment and it always felt okay Hmm. yeah it's interesting i mean that's a pretty quick trajectory from hey day one week one i'm having a hard time with the assistance and i don't necessarily see the uh the trajectory that's going to get me through this to week three, not only am I not needing assistance from my arms, but I am comfortable exploring with a little bit of weight. That's a pretty, pretty fast uh, trajectory. So a couple of comments in there, and then something that I'm kind of curious about, but you know, this is something that my friend Sean pointed out on one of our earlier episodes in the comments. I think we were talking about taking time off or being forced into time off for some other reason. And he pointed out, it's like, basically, that's why we are all training. We are all training, whether you know it or not, whether you can articulate it or not. We're training so that we have this buffer of fitness so that when life strikes, Mm -hmm. you've got enough in the bank that it's going to carry you through. 
you might not like it and it might not be the optimal performance that you're going to be seeing at that time. But because of that buffer that you built up, you're going to be a lot better than you would be had you not had that buffer. <clears throat> and so yes. to me, it's no surprise that that three weeks, you know, you saw a pretty radical change. I'd be very curious and I'm interested to, spec that, to hear you speculate. You know, what if you had somebody who is sedentary, who wasn't fit, who, you know, I, and the answer it. might be obvious, but you know, it seems like, honestly, I think there is something to that whole area under the curve, you sure. know, and, yeah. and even just being fit, you know, and I'm wonderfully mediocre. Like I'm just, you know, an average CrossFitter, like, but just being, but compared to the regular human being, you're in astonishing shape, mm -hmm. which is like, since, since my lower body was, you know, severely uh, degraded to some degree, at least one side of it. But if the rest of your body's strong, you can compensate and get through life. And so if I had to navigate stairs or do whatever, <clears throat> well, I had the upper body strength to pull and push mm. and like, and, and muscle my way through something and, and navigate a flight of 20 stairs just fine with my leg because I, I could do it if I was, you know, never worked out and, and weak and frail and then had this injury on top of being weak and frail, man, I think it would be an absolute nightmare, quite frankly. And that's mm. probably when a set of 20 quarter squats holding on to the kitchen table is actually plenty for that person and they're fatigued and tired from it. Yeah. Well, I have to say I'm a little disappointed in that because I really wish that you just installed one of those uh, chair lifts uh, on, on the side of your uh, staircase there. I like would, to picture that. But <laughs> Wouldn't that be absolutely uh, amazing, you know? And behind the scenes. <laughs> what was also interesting is I forgot until I just popped in my head right now, like part of that rehab schedule, and I guess I'm all, I'm fine, so I guess I didn't do anything too stupid. But part of it is like this linear progression to build up each day or week, how much time you're standing or mm -hmm. walking, you know, and it's mm. walking something like a hundred feet, you know, these days, walk up to 200 mm. feet, get up to 300 feet, get up to 400 feet, whatever it was. But I don't know, with just three kids and like, I had stuff to do. I mean, from like the very first week and I have a standing desk, you know, like I just, yeah. you know, and I, and I yeah. used a chair for a while, but I was walking constantly just because mm -hmm. things had to get done walk to the kid's room, got to go upstairs to the other kid, navigate my way back down there. And I remember looking at the sheet at the end of one of the days, I was like, I was like, this is like, we did 20x today, what we were supposed to do for walking, you know? And so there was a lot of walking and just standing involved. And I never felt like it was too much, which is good. But I have to mm. think that that was probably beneficial for just stabilization and, and, and building back and all that as well. Yeah, sure. And just basic load bearing on the joint, right? right. I mean, I think that's yep. something you take for granted, um, having not had to go through an injury like that. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious, like, all right, you talk about day one was a little bit rough. Week one was a little bit rough, pretty quick. You know, fast forward to weeks four, five, six, you're starting to add some air bike into the mix. You're starting mm -hmm. to add some chin-ups into the mix. Oh, that was great. Uh, it was great. Yeah, I bet. Uh, the relief uh, of the, the boredom a little bit there from those monotonous squats and push-ups. So that's cool. Um, I'm curious, like, as you started to slowly add in more movements, did anything surprise you? Like, was it, did it, what did it feel like the first time you did a, a pull-up after, you know, not having done them in X amount of time? Did it's it feel like you're right back into it or did it feel like, okay, this had a systemic effect that it's going to take some time to build that back up too? Yeah, that's a good question. I remember the first set of pull-ups that I did whenever it was, um, 
And it felt harder than I thought that it would be, you know, because I had a lower body injury, not a total upper body injury and that you'd mentioned. Wait, wait, let, let, let me cut you off there. It was harder than you thought because the coordination on your butterfly was uh, a little exactly. bit off. Was that? It was a weighted <laughs> you, pull <laughs> Yeah. You just went right into a big rip and set of butterfly pull-ups, right? Straight but out it was, the gate. <laughs> but it was also one of those things where I think I wanted to do, I wanted to start adding in a couple sets of 10 you know, a couple times a day, I like to do some 40 dead hangs, you know, three times a yeah. week, you know, just like for my mental sake and fitness. Mm -hmm. And the first set of 10, I'm not bad at pull-ups in general. And the first set of 10, like it was, it was terrible. I can't remember how often I broke it up. I was like, oh no, like what happened? Like, have I just shriveled away this quickly? But like everything else, I think by the next day it was good. And in short order, you know, the tens were usually unbroken and just like feeling like feeling good. And I, it was, I I don't know exactly what it is. All anyone who's an athlete does know what I'm trying to say, but the the there's a, just a medicinal effect of functional movements, of moving your body, mm -hmm. doing whatever it is that you can do, dips and pull-ups, if you're rowing or pushing or push-ups or dumbbell bench press and you know, lights, whatever the heck it is. I think that whole system just starts flooding yourself with the, you know, positive mm -hmm. hormones and everything gets better. And so the pull-ups came back uh, very, very, they head faked me on the first set and then it was all, it was all good. Yeah, that's really interesting too, because you think about the old kind of CrossFit um, kind of base knowledge and you talk about the difference between organic skills, you know, and then the neurological aspect of certain other skills and how they interplay with one another. Um, and that to me seems to suggest a pretty strong overlap there, right? Like if you had day one, some trouble with these pull-ups, but day two, it seems like they're back online. Well, there wasn't enough time there for you to, A, probably lose the strength that you had developed over all the years mm -hmm. and B, for day one and day two, for you to have gotten stronger to the point that it was actually significant after that first set. So it is right. interesting that it's, it seems like it's more of a you know, jumpstart of the brain uh, more than anything else. And, and again, not telling anyone to, to mimic my behavior, but but just like you said, my my pea brain as to how it works, where I observe things and go, oh, no, that seems like A should lead to B should lead to C. You know, while in the rehab material, there was something resembling a quarter squat, you know, but I could get in and out of a chair. No physician, nobody ever mentioned a deadlift as to whether that was okay mm. on the hip capsule or should be avoided or whatnot. But, you know, after a couple days after the surgery, when I had to like get back to helping out around the family, I was regularly picking up my two and a half year old. She weighs 35 pounds. So I was like, well, I'm mm -hmm. doing a deadlift countless times a day. So I just cleared myself to do deadlifts because I'm already doing them with my toddler. And so mm -hmm. I just started working those into the, into the, my rehab protocol with starting off with a light set of dumbbells and just paying attention to my body and seeing how that felt. And the deadlifts always felt great. And so mm. that's, that's something I can say there. Yeah. Okay. So I've got kind of two, one wrap up comment that you mentioned kind of off camera before we got started that I think it'd be great to expand on while we're recording. Um, you know, you said to me that throughout this whole process, like you, you haven't been sore. Can you talk <laughs> right. a little bit about that? And, and cause I think that's really important for people that are kind of going down this road yeah. that, you know, we've mentioned it already, but I don't think you can overstate it. It's like intensity is not the goal right now. You're not yeah. trying to push the boundaries. That's not yeah. really the intent. Keep me on keep me on track here. If I, I'll try yeah. to hit a couple points at once. So one is um, what I was doing, and if you look at the, you know, go to the show notes, download it, and check it out. 
I tried to cover my bases from going below parallel to upper body pulling to pulling off the ground. Nothing was explosive. I wasn't allowed to do anything mm -hmm. explosive. Um, so no violent hip extension, nothing really with a significant load and no intensity. So it was all low intensity functional movements. And I'm here to tell you after doing it for six weeks, profoundly boring, worked like a <laughs> champ, um, did not optimize my fitness in any way, shape or form because it was so repetitive, you know, and, and it, I'm not expressing any intensity. There's a whole bunch of things I'm just neglecting. I, I'm going to push back on that in a minute, but, but keep okay. going. Yeah. As I say, I'm not optimizing my fitness, yeah. but I was shocked at how much fitness I maintained. And, and it mm -hmm. became very obvious to me that if let's just say I did this boring program for the rest of my life, I would get stomped by any CrossFitter, but I would be wonderfully fit, capable for most darn near anything that I was going to be uh, faced with. And I think a lot of us just overcomplicate things or, or mm. the level of fitness that we need because I'm still covering, I'm pulling from the ground, I'm going below parallel, I'm exposing myself to external loading, I'm doing tons of sets of pull-ups, I'm on the bike, I'm on the rower, like, you know, come on. I mean, you're going to be mm -hmm. good to go. But again, there's a difference between what I did and optimizing my fitness. So that was interesting observation number one. And I don't know if you've got something to say there. Yeah, I disagree with you a little bit when you say that you weren't optimizing your fitness. I disagree for the reason that it is leading you on the path to get back to normalcy in a really uh, sensible way. And I think that that can't be overstated. I, I really mean it. You know, so yeah, if you take those workouts that you did and just that don't consider the context and do them in isolation, are you going to get the breadth of fitness that you would expect out of an average CrossFitter? Of course not. Mm -hmm. But given the context and given the circumstance, it seems like it was maybe not exactly because who could say exactly what was appropriate, right? right? But it was a pretty good match for the circumstance to bring you back up to a baseline in a reasonable amount of time. And that is ultimately what's going to allow you to optimize your fitness. So I, I disagree. I think that if you look at it holistically, that's absolutely a good thing for your total fitness. The one thing I'll say is if somebody is going to have a similar surgery and is going to take this and use it, first of all, I, I, not, I can't say that you should do that on the internet, you know, so you but do what mm -hmm. you want to do as a free citizen. The only <laughs> thing that I would probably change because I've got this terrible overhead position. So you notice there's no overhead work in there. That's mm. just because of me. I did my mm. pressing was push-ups, dumbbell bench press, and a lot of strict rain dips. If I was doing this for somebody else on those days, one of those three movements would be an overhead movement, a strict mm. press or something like that. So I'll just get that out of the way. Um, the other thing we chatted about before we clicked on the camera, which was interesting, is you know, so many crossers walk around just feeling like they get hit by a bus. Like they're just always just <laughs> wrecked somewhere, you know, like, ah, I can barely sit down or just, you know, whatever it happens to be. And it seems like it's for far too many people, just too frequent, like walking mm -hmm. around, just beat up. And I was during this time and I feel like I'm pretty good in general about modulating my intensity. And so I don't walk around like that. You know, I get dosed up every now and then like anyone else, but I don't walk around sore every day in my life. I got no interest in that. Mm -hmm. But during this period of rehab, where it was like very low intensity and everything was ratcheted down, I didn't have a single day of soreness in any part of my body, any musculature, any joint, any nothing for like six to eight weeks. And I was like, that was just an interesting experience of like mm -hmm. nothing on any day. And that led me to thinking about 
when we had Dr. Sean Rocket on and we, he was talking about tendonitis, he talked about a whole lot of things. So one of his points mm -hmm. was, look, there's a lot of little aches and pains and nagging injuries, maybe micro tears that, that athletes have and they, they don't give them time to rest and if, because they're just so scared they're going to lose all their gains, right? And if they actually just didn't use whatever joint that was for like two weeks, it might actually heal and go away, but nobody <laughs> gives themselves that time. And so since I was kind of forced to do it, it was interesting that I literally felt no soreness in any joint in any anything. Mm -hmm. And it says like, that's, it just kind of, it was so clear that it just leapt to the front of my head. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, kind of interesting. And I think definitely not the norm, you know, a lot of CrossFitters kind of wear that as a badge of honor, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and maybe not so much as you get a little bit more mature in your <laughs> CrossFit journey, but, uh, certainly in the beginning, I think that can be something people get a little wrapped up in. Um, and I think it raises like a, I mean, we could have a conversation about this forever about, you know, what is the optimal amount of volume that somebody experiences? And I think that's something that's, uh, you know, you and I probably have similar views, but it's hard to convince people that maybe you don't need to be just grinding it out every single day yes. to uh, still get still get a pretty good return on that. Um, but anyway, I, I have one last question for you and uh, take this in any direction that you want. But um, what do you still have a little trepidation around? Like, what is it now you're nine weeks out? Are there still movements that kind of scare you a little bit? Uh, you know, are there still things that you're like, mm, it's going to take another nine weeks before I dabble with that? Like, wh where mm -hmm. are you with your headspace around new well, things? I'm, cl I'm cleared hot to dabble and experiment, which is cool, mm -hmm. right? So it is just me in my own head as to, as, as to the path I'm on. Because at the end of this, the six-week checkup is a really big checkup. That's where they make sure that they take an x-ray, is the bone growth around the head of the femur and, and like in the acetabulum, so you, that mm -hmm. risk of dislocation is gone. How is your strength, range of motion, all that? So since this was my experimental program, I was curious in six weeks turn, turned out to go have this appointment with my ortho, and it was flying colors. Everything was great. He said, yeah. Everything was perfect, nice. fantastic. Yep, cleared hot. And he said, you can go ahead and now start working out in a more normal fashion as to what you're used to. He goes, let pain be your guide. He's like, don't, he goes, at least for the first month or so, don't have anything be above like a level two or three on pain. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. it. like a little discomfort. You're waking some stuff up again. That's okay, but it shouldn't be above a two or three. He's like, you know, crawl, walk, run back into loads and all that. So I was like, okay, great. Um, so to answer your question, what I still have trepidation about is of all things, and this, this bums me out because um, I'm one of the weird crossers that don't mind it, running. Mm. Like, yeah, okay. Yep. Um, and I've got an, an air runner in the garage, which was a, a godsend because I would do my rehab walking on it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then once I got cleared hot from him, I started doing like one minute on, one minute off for uh, for 10 intervals to get 10 minutes of running. On. It's very slow, by the way. And then I went you know, to two minutes on, two minutes off, and three-minute segments. Like I haven't run really for more than about 10 minutes straight on that thing. And it's okay. I feel a little bit out of breath because I haven't done it in you know, two, two months, two and a half months, mm -hmm. but I can tell that I'm, I'm timid, I guess, for lack of mm -hmm. a better way to say it. Like, uh, not like I was a gorgeous runner beforehand, but I can tell that I'm but favoring a confident runner for sure. Confident runner. Yep. Favoring yeah. my good side. Like it just doesn't feel right. Um, mm -hmm. and then there are just some movements that I have such an odd pattern burned into my head from years of dealing with the hip. Like for example, you know, I had that bone spur and all the arthritis my hip used to like stop around 90 degrees 
or even mm. something with a burpee, if you think about you jump down on the floor and you jump your feet back to your hands, if you froze somebody where they jump their feet back to their hands and you looked at their hip, you would need greater than a range of motion for how much your body's bent over. So if you had to stop with your leg at 90 degrees to your torso, one leg would be in this weird kicked back position because you couldn't mm. really jump it up to your hands. Well, I have the range of motion now to jump my feet to my hands. But the other day when I was doing burpees, like my wife asked me, she's like, are you okay? Like, do those hurt? Like, are you in pain? And I was like, oh, no, but I can tell I'm still, my, my brain is stopping my leg mm. at that point because it feels like if you go too far, this is going to feel like a stabbing pain. And it doesn't mm. anymore, but my brain's stopping my leg. So I'm having to like relearn or tell my brain, it's like, it's okay. Like I, I got this mm -hmm. range of motion now. And, but the running is, is awkward and I look forward to that coming back as well. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's one that, uh, it makes perfect sense when you identified it, but you know, not one that I would have jumped, jumped to immediately. I would have thought, you know, certainly running with speed, but I would have thought, you know, power cleans or jumping or things like that. But I haven't yeah. jumped. I haven't jumped yet. And that was one of the things, um, the doc was like, that should be one of the last things that you work back in. Mm -hmm. Cleans would be okay. And actually, I was supposed to do cleans the other day as part of the workout. And I was going to, and I was going to scale them down. I was so excited. And I got rushed for time. And so I'd actually did D-ball cleans the other day for the mm. first time. And I did a ground to shoulder, some sets with 150. You know, so I'm nine yeah, weeks nice. post, nine weeks. That was like what I could do. I have no business grabbing a heavier D-ball ever. And so that was like what I would D-ball clean pre-surgery. And my best, again, only nine weeks out. The other day, I also did three sets of 10. I've been modifying workouts to try to fit a bit, but three sets of 10, again, with the 150-pound D-ball bear hug, three sets of 10 squats, you know, bear hugging a 150. And so talk about me just four weeks ago, I was doing a 35-pound goblet squat, and now I'm doing sets of 10 with a 150 D-ball. And mm. pain-free, felt great the next day, the whole nine yards. So it is actually pretty shocking, um, the, the progress back. I still have a long way to go, but it's been eye-opening. Man, well, that's great. Well, uh, I, I need to wrap it up there, unfortunately. But, uh, man, I appreciate you talking through this. And like I said, I, I know you don't like being the uh, subject of the interview, but I think it's really valuable for people to see the process and, um, you know, to just hear your approach. because. I think any life circumstance that forces your hand like that, it can be a slow road back, obviously, but it can also, you know, there's a lot of what ifs around it. And, you know, if you're anything like me, you can really start to question, okay, is this actually going to benefit me? Is it worth even doing the basics? You know, mm -hmm. what is this going to amount to? So I think hearing somebody else's story around that can be uh, really useful for some people. At least I hope so. Yeah, man. And hey, everything's a PR now. It's a brand new PR. There you go. Yeah, so, exactly. You got post hip. <laughs> yeah. So again, everybody go to the show notes. What I sketched out for my six week rehab program, you can find the document there. Hopefully you find it useful, not medical advice. And if you've got an idea for a future show, make sure you post it down there in the comments. Go to verynotrandom.com. Check out all the cycles, help support the show. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we'll see you next time.